Now, I don't think we'll dilly-dally about. We'll get straight into it. Good morning, dear. Good morning, and you're welcome. And it's, it's great, great to, to be back. Great to have you back, Thank I have you. to say. I have to say. And I'm suspecting uh, listeners also uh, sending good wishes and uh, very interested with lots of questions in already. And I know, Brilliant. actually, my, my pause there was because we were looking at a series of about 10 photographs of yeah. something. We haven't quite figured out what the question is yet. But anyway, we'll come back we'll to that. There. We'll, we'll come back to there. that a little bit later. So... Uh, hard to believe, but we're in autumn, summer season, uh, almost over. You see, I see the the leaves are starting to turn. Yeah. So, what kind of a summer has it been? Well, it's been, I suppose, it's been a very mixed summer. But what we've actually seen because of COVID is that so many people have got into gardening. And if you remember, you know, back when we started the show back in March, we had fantastic weather through April and May. So people really got into their garden. They were at home, of course, so they they got they made use of the good weather and got back into the garden. So we're, we've actually seen a whole new cohort of gardeners uh, or people that have never gardened get into gardening this year so people are growing their edibles and their five a day and their fruits and their hanging baskets and window boxes so it's been a terrific year for people getting into gardening and gardening um, the weather through August has been probably a little bit disappointing in terms of we haven't really got the sunshine mm. and uh, without the sunshine they, the plants just don't respond as good so we've had quite a bit of, of rain and uh, you know so from a gardening perspective I suppose it has been maybe a little challenging during, during August but having said that it's not been too bad but listeners will definitely see it on things like ripening tomatoes and uh, on the on their fruit trees this year in particular a little bit more marks and blemishes uh, but that's just to be expected but overall it's been a great year so many people have got back into gardening so many newbies a lot of you know people that have never ever gardened before have suddenly got into gardening and we're seeing that through the questions coming in they're back to the very basic questions of what do I do with this or how do I treat my hydrangea <laughs> you know so it's very <laughs> you know important to to yeah. to the listeners but but uh, that's certainly what we're seeing so uh, and a lot of people that have tried things and have suddenly discovered they've got green fingers or the myth around green fingers isn't as as challenging as uh, sometimes it's uh, uh, reported to be so yeah. you know I think a lot of success for, for a lot of people and, and ge- generally people have enjoyed the garden um, and people using their garden as part of their lifestyle now that's been a big thing so not as just not just even the growing of things people have actually from a leisure perspective they're cooking outdoors they're sitting outdoors they're enjoying the garden and and that's what we have seen right through the season and it continues uh, you know I'm, I'm amazed that they haven't stopped yeah <laughs> normally we would see a lull do you know during the summer period or coming into autumn but it actually has continued really really strong um, so people are for example at the moment they're planting all the spring flowering bulbs the daffodils and tulips they're in garden centres right the country, around the country and people are just planting planting them into the ground and getting the kids involved and and all of that good stuff. So, yeah, a a very busy, very, very busy season. Uh, So it's been great. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, even things like, you know, Storm Francis and whatever, it's a storm predecessor, which uh, caused damage in some areas more so than others, perhaps. Um, But that, I suppose, also I noticed gardens because they had been tended to so lovingly over the you know the couple of months in advance of of well august as such probably got a real hammering because there was so much lovely growth in it i know my next door neighbors had lots of lovely things in pots and everything got really smashed in the last one um but I, it does bring home that fact that people have been so engaged with their gardens. Oh, 100%. And yeah. the other thing is, and you touched on it there, and it's we forget about it sometimes, I think. Um, you know, we have this presumption that I'm either good at gardening or I'm not mm. good at gardening. Mm. 
But we forget that gardening is one of those things, like everything else, it's a bit of practice. Exactly. And the more time you spend at something, the better you get at it. Of course you do. And you uh, make mistakes yeah. and we all make mistakes. And it's, it's not something that you're, you know, it's not a talent necessarily that you're born with no. per se. No. Um, obviously you might be inclined in that direction or you might have aspects of creativity, but it's not something that is inherent and it is something that's learned. And I suppose maybe one of the positives of the last, you know, since March is that we've been afforded some time to be able to put that into Just practice. Time in the garden. People find it very, very therapeutic, you know, to be able to spend a couple of hours in the garden and, and just tip away and see plants coming into flower and, and so on. The other huge interest we've had, Deirdre, particularly in the mm. last couple of weeks, are from schools. And schools, and I touched Wonderful. on it. Yeah, and I touched on it with Tommy on, on Thursday, but to explain it a little bit more. So, in the last two to three weeks, we've had a huge amount of calls from principals and particularly special needs um, looking for the sort of projects that could get the children involved in, that could get them out of doors during the autumn period. So, the type of things that they could bring the classroom outside and start a project that would maybe continue right through until spring of next year. So I, I put that down as a challenge to my own team and we've come up with three ideas, three very simple projects that, that schools could actually embrace. So one is around the area of, of wildlife and particularly native Irish birds. So we're coming into the time of year for the feeding of birds. So setting up a, a school project, a wildlife station in the, in the grounds of the school mm-hmm. somewhere using a, a range of different varieties of wild bird seed like niger seed and sun, sunflower hearts and wild bird mixes so if you if you go for a different variety of mixes you get a great variety of birds and as we come into autumn we tend to get a lot a lot of the scandinavian birds will come down to the west of ireland so particularly around christmas you'll see the big thrushes and larger birds actually coming into the garden and um, from from other countries so we tend to get a bigger population of birds through the autumn winter and spring period. So setting up a, a wildlife station A teaches the children about the importance of feeding feeding and gives them something mm-hmm. to do. But also they can do a simple census right through the winter period in, in counting the number of different varieties of bird. And if you use different mixes of seed like fat balls and niger seed, you'll encourage a lot of variety into the garden. So ground feeding birds, birds that feed on the wing and, and so on. So having a mixture of different... So that's one project, a simple project, a wild bird uh, project using different varieties of, of seeds and feeders close to the school, somewhere close to the schoolyard. Mm. The children have to go out every day and, and replenish the, the seed. But more importantly, they can use it then, you know, on a wet day like last Wednesday, use the actual f- the, the activity to maybe do a census, teach them about counting Absolutely. and colours. And, and I think, you know, the, the local authorities, the county councils uh, have biodiversity officers um, and heritage officers that can Could maybe encourage uh, yeah. that kind of activity. And I know Birdwatch Ireland also uh, exactly. encourage people to, to take census. So maybe teachers, you know, in conjunction with developing their wildlife stations, might like to get in contact with one of those organisations exactly. and they'd probably help them out. And, and come in and do a the, talk. Yeah, come in and do a talk. And, and the, the, the information and data that, you, that your pupils might gather uh, could be fed on then into, into a wider picture. So. so leading me very nicely on to okay, my second, second project. Not rehearsed. Which is the, which around biodiversity and encouraging, particularly in Ireland, we're, we're trying to encourage pollinators in mm. particular. And in, in not, not just the honeybee, but bumblebees and also um, a lot of the pollinators like lacewings and butterflies. Uh, so again, schools could do a very simple project at this time of year. So if you think in nature what's happening, the seeds are being produced the berries are being produced, the fruit is being produced by plants. Why? Because nature sows its seed in the autumn. So 
taking a a cue from that, we should be sowing our wildflower seed at this time of year for germination next spring and flowering next kind of early summer. So we've put together a range of wildflower seed and winter and spring flowering bulbs that could be planted by the children now. So anytime during September and October, both the seed and the bulbs can be planted together. And bulbs will start to flower like winter aconites come into flower around Christmas or just before Christmas, um, particularly the mild winters were having some of the daffodils come into flower before Christmas, snowdrops flower in January, crocs are flowering in February and so on. You can have bulbs flowering literally from December through till the end of April, early May, during that school period. Many of them are pollinator friendly, or certainly there's a collection there mm-hmm. that are pollinator friendly. So lots of insects that are, are, are active any time from December onwards will visit the bulbs. And then in conjunction with that, you mix some wildflower seed, which will come into flower any time from the middle of March right through up until the schools finish at the end of June. So the combination of both. And again, you don't need a big area for this. You could literally grow the wildflowers and the bulbs in pots, containers, window boxes if you if you're, you don't have a physical mm. space. Or indeed, if you have a rough area in the garden, that could be done as well. So that's project number two, a biodiversity area Brilliant. to encourage pollinators into the garden. And the last area is to actually get the children to um, grow their five a day. And I took my cue from this from the time that we spent up in Craigmore and the crack we had with the, with the, with the team, the school last year yes. in Galway. And, and I, it, I have a vivid mem- memory of bringing edible flowers. I brought some violas and the children had the flowers ate before we got them into the veggie pod. That's how, how engaged they were. So you get this peer pressure from children. If, if you eat, if one child eats something, the, the other child tends to feed off it as well. So putting together the veggie pod with two sides in the veggie pod, the large and the medium, both suitable for schools and actually Craig Moore bought the a second veggie pod because the first one was so successful. But you can plant your veggie pod at this time of year with sensory herbs, which are very tactile and brilliant for children because you, you get the scent on, on the on your your fingers and so you're smelling that. You taste, they're edible of course, mm. but also they're very tactile. So a lemon balm, for example, has a very ruffled leaf, very distinctive leaf, whereas thyme has a tiny little leaf. Mm-hmm. So you get that texture uh, from sensory herbs, but also this time of year you can sow things like radishes, winter carrots, winter onion sets, garlic. They could plant strawberries for, for next spring. All the edible flowers can be sown now. You can teach the children about sowing seed, bulbs, you know, corms mm-hmm. and, and teach them about the different, the, the principles of germination and then teach them the whole thing about food miles and and healthy, what what's healthy to eat. And and many of the plants that grow in the veggie pot, because they grow 50% faster, yeah. they'll actually grow through the winter period. And it comes with a cover which keeps the cats and the slugs and the snails off as well. So it keeps it clean. And the veggie pot is waist high, so generally it's chest high on a child. So it's easy to It's easy, easy to plant. Access. They're not getting too dirty, but yet they're engaging in planting. So they're the three projects that we put Brilliant. together. And we'll be contacting the schools next week just to give them more information around that. So that's a way of getting the children engaged out of doors over the autumn, winter, spring period, spending a bit of time outside and giving them something practically practical to do over that period. So that's that's a, another trend, certainly, at the moment. So that's the type of thing that people have been at. So, yeah, it's been very busy. OK. Hydrangeas, Porik, I think I know you, you touched on them a bit uh, with uh, Tommy the other I day. Did, and we did a lot of calls in and and, uh, and it just triggered, it reminded me that we were, we were and, and, you know, kind of to cut think the questions off of the past mm. that we're going to have a lot of questions about hydrangeas not flowering this year. So if you remember back in springtime, Plants came into growth very early. We had a late frost in April and that burnt the buds of 
of many plants, not just hydrangeas, but uh, hedges were scorched and, uh, you know, and, and plants took quite a long time to, to come back from that. But hydrangeas in particular produced their flower buds in the previous year. And if you get a late frost that we had in April this year, the, it damages the flower buds. So atypically this year, typical hydrangeas are only producing maybe a tenth of the amount of flowers that they would normally produce, particularly the mop head varieties. Because I know you have some of the other ones at I home do, that are yeah, probably flowering no. beautifully. Well, they were go- go- going great and then we got a lot of rain in August so they were a bit droopy drawersy even though we did a Chelsea chop. So it was lovely to have the longevity on it. Yeah. And I'd never done that before obviously with your own advice. Uh, took all of that. Um, so yeah, they were they were beautiful again this year and yeah. I was really happy with them but just the weather then. The weather, but the mop, head, of, the mop head varieties mm. in particular which are the traditional hydrangeas the reason they're not flowering is simply down to the frost of last year. So there's Leave them alone. Don't do any heavy pruning on them this winter. Leave them very much as they are. Feed them next spring and they should be perfectly flying as long as we don't get a late frost. So that's all that that is. Really good time of year as well for taking the cuttings of hydrangeas. If you want to kind of propagate a couple of plants Mm. or there's a particular variety that you particularly like and you've seen somewhere, take a cutting of it now and they'll root in about six or eight weeks time. And this is the time of year for taking cuttings in general. So if you see any of your favourite garden plants that you want to propagate or particularly uh, tender plants that you might want to bring through for next year like salvias, this is a really good time to take cuttings of them and do get yourself some free plants. Fantastic. Um, and the other thing people are wondering about is cutting back hydrangeas. A bit early for that, is it? It is. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And that's my point is not to, you know, the fact that they haven't flowered this year, I would remember they've produced lots of new growth. They're lovely and healthy uh, because the, the weather has actually suited them in ter- from a growing perspective this year. So leave them alone. Don't cut them back. Uh, now, you've got the paniculata varieties like you have, like um, the Annabelle's or Phantom or Bobo or Vanilla Freeze. Mm. They flower on new growth. So they will be pruned as we go into winter and we'll advise people on that later on because they're still in flower at the moment but the mophead hydrangeas no my advice really is to leave them alone this year don't cut them back and feed them next spring and they'll be perfectly fine they'll come back into flower next summer for you brilliant now um let's have a look at what's on whatsapp because we have okay. quite a few bits and pieces we in. have start with uh, the begonia there. we'll start with well the begonia because it's, it's looking at us yeah. uh, with a question mark over as to whether it is or it isn't a begonia can you ask Porik if we know what these flowers are we bought begonia bulbs during lockdown but the supplier thinks the bulbs were mislabeled no no they, they're actually they begonias are, yeah. now what we're looking at is single flowers they're single flowering uh, begonias there's probably some double flowers on the plants as well but they are actually begonias the orange and the yellow flowers and they will continue to flower for well up until early November so you know keep feeding them keep looking after them deadhead the old flowers and they'll keep on going and you can save the bulbs you can lift the bulbs in November and that gives you the opportunity next January and February to propagate them by cutting them into smaller pieces and start them off again but they are actually begonia plants no mislabeling Okay, now Mary is wondering, Porik, what's the fastest growing hedge that you know? Mary doesn't want a Lalandii one, thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want something, it depends. You see, be careful what you what you wish for because hedges don't stop being be, be vigorous. So if you plant a Lalandii hedge or a laurel hedge, they grow very, very fast and they continue to grow as mature plants. You have a lot of trimming to do. So if you want to screen off an area, I mean, Trees like poplars, now they are deciduous, but they are extremely fast growing. They'll put up to, you know, five, six or eight feet of growth per year. Willow will also do that as well. But obviously they get very big and and can be unwielding as they get older. So depending on the height of the hedge that you want ultimately the hedge to grow to, that determines the type of plant to put in. So vigorous 
uh, hedging plants include laurel, in particular common laurel will plant two feet of growth per year and will make a 10, 15 foot hedge without any problem whatsoever. Um, You've also got well. If you're not, if you're going to rule out, rule out Lelandia, rule out probably all the conifers. Um, poplars, as I mentioned, willows are very fast as well. Carpinus specialis, which is hornbeam, is quite a vigorous hedge as well. Griselinia will put on about a foot of growth a year. So really, it depends on what height Mary wants the hedge to grow to. Ultimately, you know, if it's a if it's a really tall hedge, go for the poplars, willows. Um, hornbeams, something in that class, or common laurel is probably one of the most vigorous you know, of the evergreen hedges. Okay, and I suppose, Mary, uh, the uh, I suppose warning with all of that, or the reminder, is that if it's a vigorous growing hedge, it will continue to grow vigorously and will require a fair bit of maintenance. A fair bit of trimming twice, maybe yeah. three times a year. Now, if it's an immediate problem that you want to screen off an area, so if Mary has an issue where you want to screen off an mm. area, neighbours or a, pic- a window or something, you can get hedges as mature plants so you can actually buy a hedge that has been grown on the nursery it's six or eight years old it's already six or seven feet in height so if you need that immediate block then plants like portuguese laurel and common laurel are available as six foot tall plants mm. uh, you know three feet wide so they'll create that initial block or you can get a what we call a pleached tree which is a tree that's grown on a clean stem but on top it's trained like a hedge so again, it's often used as a full stop to block a window or a view. So maybe that would be a better direction to buy, a, to get actually a mature hedge. hedge. hedge yeah. And then you wouldn't have... And the, you've got uh, that instant yeah. overnight effect of, of screening and, and protection in and, and you wouldn't, mightn't have as much maintenance exactly. on it then in the, yeah. in the long term. Yeah. Now, yeah. I apologise, guys, I, I probably just forgot to remind people about uh, how you get in contact with us uh, this morning if you do have a question for Porik. It's text or WhatsApp 87 41 uh, and also 0818-3055 if you're calling us, of course, all with thanks to Hygieia High Gas Extra for Broadleaf and Dock Control. Right, um somebody wondering, can should they pick apples now? Is it a bit early? Well, it's it depends on the varieties. You know, the early varieties like Beauty of Bath and Katie are ready for picking now. So the way to test the apples is to cup it in your hand, lift it, twist it, and if it comes away without, you know, with little ease, it's time to pick those varieties. Brambley apples, James Grieve, they shouldn't be picked for at least another month. So depending on the variety, but check them on a regular basis. And even if you pick some of them early, they will ripen over the next two to three weeks. If you keep them in a dark, cold area, apples will ripen. It's time to pick plums in particular. They should be taken off the trees now. Um, Pears should be picked kind of late October, November sort of period. And um, autumn fruiting raspberries, they should be picked now as well. So in general, any fruit that's ready for picking, uh, you know, it generally comes away fairly easy in, in your hand, in hand anyway. So you'll know if there's a lot of resistance, leave them alone for another couple of weeks. Now, uh, despite spraying my hedge for black spot, the disease is rampant. I'm not sure we know what kind of hedge this is, listener. Uh, cut out all the diseased branches, but the black spot is back. I've sprayed it again with rose deer. Is there rose any... Clear. Rose clear. Yeah. Rose clear, sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, is there any product that will kill the yeah, disease? So it, depends, it depends what the hedge is. Now, the listener is, is talking about black spot and, and the fact that they use rose clear. We'll assume it's a... It's 
it's a um, hedging rose, something like Rosa Rugosa or uh, one of the, the hedging roses, they're quite vigorous. And to be honest, I wouldn't bother spraying them at all, even though they might get a little bit of, of black spot or marking on the leaf. It's been a year for disease, Deirdre, like with the wet July mm. and August period, we're seeing lots of black spot and mildew. And to be honest, when the disease is there, it's too late to be spraying. So I wouldn't bother. Um, just leave it alone for this year. Maybe give it a little bit of feed that will help it. But don't bother putting any more spray on it. The roses will continue to flower for quite a period yet. And then for next year, as they come into new growth, start the spray programme a lot earlier and that'll help to prevent it. But it's just been, a, we're seeing lots of mildew, lots of downy mildew, powdery mildew, black spot on many plants. And once it's on the plants, a bit like getting the cold. Once you have it, you have yeah, it. And, and It know, just recurs. Just, yeah, just, you know. Uh, wait it out I think with this uh, I wouldn't bother spraying anymore I think you're wasting your time to be honest Okay, fair fair enough now we have a picture of a lawn and we're told that this was a lovely lawn and then came along Bailey the dog and (laughs) she's dug it up by running around on it so don't want to slab it or anything but any advice as to how we kind of get the lawn back uh, into pre-dog arrival stage if if that's possible I suppose it's a toss up is it between the dog and the lawn well it is a bit to a certain you know a certain degree what you can actually you do you can get a, a plastic netting it's like a net lawn netting that you can put down on the grass the grass will grow up through it but the plastic material gives it a bit more uh, strength and it stops the dog from actually pulling at the uh, the soil itself so that's what the dog is doing and particularly with the wet august um, it's just a combination of the dog scratching and, and uh, yeah. digging up the area you can certainly reseed and this time of year is a great time for reseeding lawns in general for putting down new lawns first and foremost but also if you've got any bare patches like this this is the time of year to reseed now the dog needs to be kept off the area physically uh, whilst the seed is germinating and until such time it knits in um, so really if you can exclude the dog you know this is going to be a perennial problem yeah. unless the dog is excluded from the area and uh, but as I say you can put down a, a, a plastic Kind of, it's like a netting material and the grass grows physically up through it and it gives a bit more strength you know when the dog is scraping the area right. but Look, okay. if you can exclude the dog really from Rob, the area it's probably the better yeah, option yeah. now somebody Willie has just put up a polytunnel oh, and he's wondering is it too late to sow potatoes or vegetables now? Well a little bit a bit, bit, bit late for the potatoes but um, Willie for example you can plant at this time of year we're coming into the time of year for sowing radish, radish seed you got, your local garden centre will have cabbage plants there's a lovely variety called pixie which is a dwarf cabbage it, you plant it at this time of year it'll be ready for use through the winter and spring period of next year and it's brilliant in a polytunnel because it's actually quite small it's enough it'll feed kind of two or three people so it's a variety called pixie you get it as plants in your local garden centre you'll also get purple sprouting broccoli at the moment many varieties of the winter lettuce as plants are available uh, for planting now spinach can be planted both from seed and from plants they're available in your local garden centre speedy veg which comes to us from Sutton's there's a whole collection of different seeds that can be sown in the speedy veg range Mm. and they'll be ready within six weeks in a polytunnel and you can cut those continually right through the winter period and in two weeks time Willie you've got garlic bulbs coming into the garden centres and Japanese onion sets and they're fantastic they will actually give you great greens for Christmas but also full size onions and garlic for next summer fantastic continue to plant strawberry plants if you put strawberry plants into your tunnel now you'll have early fruit next summer so you'll have strawberries kind of late April early May so there's lots of continue to use the polytunnel you can also use it for sowing seed and germinating seed of many plants both herbs and veg and flowers but also a great area to 
to take your cuttings. So if you want some fruit cuttings or hedging cuttings or whatever, propagate them in the Pony Tunnel. On the way Great you go. place to spend okay. your, your autumn and winter. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, you'll, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll have lots I'll make of, use of it. new Absolutely. things for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something to look forward to. Now, we have a picture of a red robin, uh, Porek. Yeah. Um, said about three years, very few leaves on it. Uh, listener wondering, would you have a diagnosis? It's certainly making no progress, no, they it's say. Not. It looks sad and miserable in that location. Um, so, look, there's a couple of things going wrong here. Um, I would imagine that the plant is planted too deeply into the soil or the soil is excessively wet. So the plant is struggling. Yes, there are some there's some growth on it, but a lot of wood. So really, my advice with this plant is to dig it up in November. So literally dig it physically up, improve the soil, add a good bit of drainage into the soil and raise the level of the plant. So raise it up about four to six inches um, above. I would imagine it's gone down too deeply into the soil. It's causing the roots to rot and the plant is not dead, but it's it's certainly sick. It should be full of leaf at the moment um, and, and, and so on. So leave it till November, dig it up, add a lot of grit and gravel to the soil, raise up the soil level and replant it, uh, but keep the stems up. So raise the actual level of the stems mm. and I think and the plant will be perfectly fine next year. It's a really easy plant to grow. Now, uh, somebody wondering, is there any way to stop grass from growing up through clumps of flowers? I can't get at it to pull it up from the roots. No. No, <laughs> you'll have to get at it to pull yes, it up. You will. There used to be uh, years ago. There was a, a, a treatment called yeah. Fusilade, but it's not. It's no longer available to okay. the gardener. Uh, so look at yeah, hands and knees. Get down and, and get the grass out. Unfortunately, it's the only. It's the only yeah, solution. Good, ac- good, good exercise. Good exercise. Good exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at the positives. Well, people wondering about feeding roses on hydrangeas that are still in flower. Is that are, uh, is, it, well, is it necessary uh, or you could what? give give them a final feed now, particularly a liquid feed would be fine. Granulated fertilizers. Work. It's getting a bit late now. You know, plants are now roses will continue to flower up until late November, often up until Christmas. And you know, it's a, I, and I did say this with Tommy is if I, if you've roses in the garden and particularly if they're looking a bit sad after the wet weather, deadhead them, cut. A bit of the stem back give them a liquid feed and that will boost them back into growth and you'll often get a second flush of flower so they're well worth doing hydrangeas no because they're not going to flower that you know that that's the reason i explained the the flower buds were burnt earlier in the season so by feeding them now you're not going to encourage them into flower again so just leave them the hydrangeas alone certainly worth feeding the roses use a um a liquid feed and continue to deadhead and the roses will continue to flower now, here's a lovely text. My grandchildren and I sowed golden, delicious and conference uh, seeds, seeds during lockdown. Pears, yeah. 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 So we've, apples, re- yeah. we've repotted them once and they need it again. I keep them in a little greenhouse closed at night and open during the day. Great. Will this be a long process? Well, so they sold the seeds. So obviously they got the golden delicious apples and took the seed seeds from out. them, right? Yeah. And, uh, and they've germinated. So first of all, you can actually plant those out of doors now. So if you had an area in the garden that you wanted to create a small little orchard for the children, then, you know, now would be a perfect time to actually plant them out into the garden soil. They're perfectly winter hardy. They will drop their leaves in winter. That's perfectly natural. And kick into growth back next spring again. You could also you know, create a wild flower area maybe in this area over time as well and plant some spring bulbs. Now, the the, the thing about sowing uh, the pips or the apple seed is mm. that you generally don't get... Uh, it, they don't come true to type so if you sow a golden delicious seed you're not necessarily going to get a golden delicious apple and sometimes the trees can be quite poor at fruiting it takes them a long number of years and sometimes you'll only produce little crab apples so the trees will grow perfectly fine but don't be disappointed in years to come that the fruit mightn't be exactly what you'd expect so you tend to get from seedlings um 
you know, the trees will grow vigorously, but they tend not to fruit very well. But certainly I would plant them out, maybe involve the children, plant them out of doors sometime in autumn, uh, clear the area and just put a couple of bamboo canes on the young seedlings and let them grow and they'll be, they'll drop their leaves, which will be normal in November, but they'll be back into leaf next spring again. Okay, great. Lovely project to do. Lovely project, yeah. absolutely. Now, we have a picture of suedes and uh, they've been opened up for us. There's quite a collection of photographs here. But essentially, the question is wondering what has caused this issue with my crop of suedes mainly and also turnips this year? They've grown well and mostly look normal until you cut them and they're rotten inside. Seems like entry area at the top near the foliage. Photos attached to all the words. Good selection there. So You should know this. Now. I we think, cover this. I know we have. So I think it's something. <laughs> to do with boron. It is. Yeah, well done. Yeah. So this is boron deficiency. So it's t- typically brown heart, which is such a shame because the, the listener has grown these suedes, mm. you know, to a good size and the turnips. And it's simply down to the lack of boron in the soil. So boron is a micronutrient and where it's not present, uh, suedes in term turnips create this boasting or rotting of the heart. It's often called hollow heart or, or it's just a, a rotting of the centre of the suedes and turnips and you don't really see the damage until you actually start to cook them and cut them open. And yeah and I think th- those photographs that the listener has sent in um, I don't know if we'll be in a position to share them at any later point but it really demonstrates yeah. how it looks pro- perfect, perfect on, on the, the outside, outside yeah. and it's only when you cut them and they're absolutely useless because it's fairly advanced in oh, these. Oh it is in yeah. These yeah it creates this hollow uh, hearting. Edge, yeah. yeah so it's it's simply down to that now the cure for it is uh, to use uh, a fertiliser containing boron and the one to use is one called Vitex Q4. So that has all the other nutrients, but more importantly, it's got uh, Vite- uh, it's got boron in the mix. So it's Vitex Q4. You'll use it next spring when you're sowing the seed, repeat it as the turnips and suede are growing, and that will simply stop this from happening. Okay. So it's such a... Such a uh, a pity. Pity, absolutely. Yeah, so it's yeah. down to boron deficiency and suedes and turnips are renowned for it. that hollow heart. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, 087 900 41 41. Our text and WhatsApp this morning with thanks to Lawn Gold Lawn Fertiliser uh, for perfect moss-free lawns, chemical child and pet safe. Uh, so 087 900 41 41 or 0818 3055. Uh, Pork, uh, question there regarding fertiliser for lawn. Just wondering what's the best fertiliser for a lawn for winter it's looking a bit poorly at okay. present well you can get a specific autumn lawn fertiliser and they're designed to, to green the lawn without forcing growth but, but my advice really is to get the zero on now because the moss is beginning to creep back with the wet August people will see moss starting in their lawns now so the first thing is get on the zero liquid mm. apply that to a water can or sprayer that will control the moss overnight uh, because it is going to be a, a bigger problem if it's left unchecked and then put on the autumn feed you can do that the following day and that will give it a nice greening colour and help to um, keep it green for up to three months. Okay, great. Somebody wondering, is it too soon to transplant rhubarb? Well, normally you, you transplant rhubarb um, in November, but but I would actually do it now. So get out your hedge clippers, trim the stems of the rhubarb back to soil level, dig it up. You've got an opportunity to split it into several pieces and transplant it uh, around the garden. Put down plenty of organic matter if you can, garden compost with it, because rhubarb is quite a hungry feeder and that's what it thrives on. Or indeed, if you've got rhubarb, you could put a mulch of organic matter any time from now on around the the stems of it. But no no problem transplanting it now. It is kind of going into dormancy, so any time from now on. But do shave it back and then 
been transplanted. And you can do that with plants like hostas and astilbes at this time of year in September. Uh, even though they're in full leaf, if you cut them to ground level with a shears, dig them up, split them up, and then transplant them because the soil conditions are quite good at the moment for doing that where sometimes in November it can be a bit cold and miserable and, and quite wet mm. uh, so rather than waiting for the plants to die back fully I often do them at this time of year so no problem at all shear them back cut back the foliage dig them up split them transplant Now tulips I've left since last year is it alright to plant them this year? Well test the bulb um, you know so you, simply if the bulbs have gone soft put them in the bin if they're firm which I I I'll be surprised if they are but if they're still firm then plant them in the gar- in the soil so generally you know tulips they're, they're lifted now at the moment they're, they're pl- being planted at the moment and if they're left a year in packets they tend to go off they tend to go soft right. and, and yeah. just rot away okay. um, so test them and see if they feel heavy and firm by all means plant them into the garden soil but uh, if they're soft and puffy and, and dishevelled then Put them in the Probably bin not. and start again. Yeah, okay. but this is the time of year for planting tulips and daffodils and snowdrops and all of that. Okay, now we have a couple of pictures here on our WhatsApp Warwick. Okay. So um, we have, um, I think it is a laburnum. Laburnum, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So wondering, what do you th- think is wrong with this laburnum? It starts out green and healthy in spring, but before it's ready for flowering, which it never does, only the first year, it turns yellow and stays like that all season. We've moved it twice. It's about seven foot tall, says Karina. Yeah, so look at this. There's you can see on the on particularly on the the picture before that. There's a lot of dieback. See the top of the branch there that has died back. Yeah. So what Karina needs to do is cut it, cut all those stems back to a healthy bud. That's the first thing. Leave it alone then for the rest of the winter. And as we come into spring, give it a, a high potassium feed, something like a rose fertilizer will build some strength into the laburnum and give it a, 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 a treatment of fungus clear, which will prevent that dieback occurring. You can see it on the leaves. I think in the second picture as well yeah. the leaves are quite brown and, and dishevelled um, so prune it back now anything that's that's brown and damaged cut it back to a healthy bud leave it for the winter period and then next spring apply a rose feed and also apply the fungus clear and that'll keep it clean brilliant I'd lovely carnations but they're dying off should I have them deadheaded yes and, and deadheading of plants is, is you're physically removing the old flowers and stopping them running from seed now carnations have flowered brilliantly for the summer they're kind of going off this time of year anyway so they tend not to flower into you know late September October so certainly deadhead them um, and just tidy them up and you may get a couple of, of new flowers particularly if you get a bit of good weather but really for next year they'll be back in flower in June again now, Jar is wondering why he had such a disaster with both tomatoes and potatoes this summer. Planted certified seed early, but never have seen such a poor harvest. Wondering, had anybody else a similar problem? And that's, uh, yeah, Jar the, the, in Clare Galway. So, yeah, yeah well, it depends where Jar grew them, actually. The potatoes this year, the blight has been certainly a problem, particularly in August with the, the very wet weather. And tomatoes just haven't done as, as good as other years, simply be down, down to the lack of sunshine. Oh, right, because... Uh, my mum sowed some um, yeah. and they're in the patio and they're the smaller ones and oh, she's had a bumper crop and the, and the smaller ones do really well like and the, to the point where the stalk broke because it was so heavy with fruit fantastic which yeah. variety did you grow oh I can't remember it's one of the small like the tumblers or yeah, one yeah. of those and yeah. they're, they're a lot easier to red profusion yeah. for example this year and they did really really well gardener's delight so any of the cherry tomatoes have actually fruited really brilliantly mm. but the large ones like Moneymaker Shirley the bigger tomatoes yeah. they're just not as good mm. this year 
Actually, yeah, because there was another one, the plum ones. Now they didn't do quite as well. Yeah, and they yeah. tend to. Be, they need a good summer. You need the, you need the sort of temperatures we had um, last year. So um, so really, it's just down to weather conditions okay. this year and variety, obviously, and and variety. Yeah, and if you want tomatoes that are really successful, the likes of the tumbler, the red profusion, and um, those tumbling varieties, you've very little uh, treatment to do with them. There's no pinching out or staking with them, and they tend to fruit in, in profusion. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, well, really, really yeah. well, and particularly if they're in, in a little patio where they're you're, you're getting the best you're keeping them out of the cold weather and the rain but yet they're getting the sunlight and the, and they do you, yeah. they do brilliantly you get fed up picking them yeah. we're not allowed to walk in through the front door we have to use the back because it's right, all tomatoes okay. um, now eight foot high sunflower but didn't flower why would that well, be? Well, again, you sunshine? know, sun, sunflowers need sun, sunshine, yeah. And uh, it's funny that sunflower flower will actually follow the sun. So it actually, it will, you know, uh, it will actually change direction in the direction of the sunlight. But again, this year, now, I have seen lots of sunflowers in full bloom. But at the same time, August has been just disappointing. We just haven't got the temperatures needed to bring the sunflowers. Um, I'd still leave them alone and see if September was, was warm. Yeah. Sometimes we can get a, an Indian summer. It's not promise certainly in the next couple of days if we did get a bit of heat it's not too late for those sunflowers to come into bloom yet so I would leave them in situ and for people that have sunflowers in bloom allow the flowers to fade and set seed because the birds will come and feed on those sunflower hearts in the winter period uh, as well so they can be left in the garden. A geranium plant, lots of growth, but no flowers. We seem to have a recurring theme that's, here. It, it's it's typical of um, plants that require lots of, you know, plants like geranium, sunflowers, tomatoes. They're plants that need high levels of sunlight to, to bloom. And when you get kind of the moist, cool temperatures we have at the moment, it favours vegetative growth, leafy growth. So the plants aren't triggered into flowering. Um, so you, you tend to get a lot. I mean, look at the grass, how, how quickly it's growing at the moment. So we're getting a lot of that vegetative growth to, at the expense of flower. And there's no point trying to feed them and, and, and force them into flower now. It's just gone that little bit too late. Okay. I have an orchid that needs a new pot. Do I trim back the roots or how do I manage it? You can tidy back a little bit of the roots as well. Not not too heavy a pruning, but a, a light trimming back of the roots is a good idea. Make sure you get orchid compost. So there's a specific compost that's used for orchids. Don't use the regular potting compost. And again, there's a specific feed um, for uh, for orchids so it's a, it's actually a good time of year for repotting plants in general and you know it's something to bear in mind plants are fantastic indoors for the winter period they help to clear the air you know and, and adding a couple of plants to to the home is is an excellent idea at this time of year but certainly a great time to repot orchids make sure you use the orchid compost and use the orchid fertilizer brilliant now can you give names of good hardy perennials that frost won't damage well, well, most of the perennial plants that you'll get in your local garden centre, so in flower in my garden at the moment, for example, is a beautiful plant called Rudbeckia. Rudbeckias produce these bright yellow, they're like daisy-like flowers with a black centre. Oh, yes, they're fabulous in, in few, yeah, I've seen quite, actually, loads of them around. They're yeah. fabulous. Such an easy plant to grow. It multiplies, so it comes in many different varieties. Echinacea is another lovely daisy flower plant that's totally hardy and, and grows really, really well. Coming into flower at the moment are asters, which again are perennial and would give lovely autumnal, kind of early winter colour. Sedum, autumn joy, is a, is a really nice plant. My advice is pop 
pop into your local garden centre. They'll advise you on, on the good, hardy perennials that are easy to grow. And most of them actually multiply. And this is a really good time to plant them because they'll come into flower. You may get some flower this year, but particularly next year, they'll be absolutely fabulous. And I think perennials mixed with plants like hydrangeas look really well. well. You get that old cottage garden effect. So remember, September is a really good time to plant plant okay. in general. I'm not too sure what that is. Uh, Looks like a Tony and I think we might have had that question with Tommy. Okay. Uh, uh, I sent, I sent in a photo uh, what I thought was a nice shrub but dur- yeah. oh during the week. Okay good memory. Forex uh, said yeah. weed so forgot yeah. my n- send my name it's no longer looking as good I'll send. Okay. Yeah, so that's a plant called Houtonia cordata or St. Joseph's Coat, which is a really pretty plant. It's got these lovely coloured leaves. And really what I was warning the listener is that if you put it into your garden, it does spread. It can become a problem in that it spreads underground stems. Fine if you put it into a pot and keep it in the pot and, and keep it constricted, a bit like mint. And, it, and it, it's a herbaceous plant. It dies back in winter, comes back up in the spring. But don't let it escape into your garden. OK, somebody wondering what attracts wrens into the garden specifically. I don't know, are, are we... Uh, well, the, the Niger seed would actually be would be very good for, for wrens. Small, it's a very small seed. It's high. In, it's a black seed. It's high in protein and is brilliant for any of the small birds like wrens or... or um, you know any of the small feeding birds and that's really the, the trick to encourage a, a wide variety of, of birds is to go from even simple things like mealworms work, work really well um, Niger seed sunflower hearts wild bird mix and then the peanuts if you mix those t- in different feeders, you get a, a very good variety of birds. Okay, uh, we have. See, I told you. Yeah, <laughs> there's the hydrangea. <laughs> so the hydrangea with no flowers. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. look at you know the plant is perfectly healthy. So this is atypical of how hydrangeas are looking at the moment. So leave leave alone. Don't do any pruning. Is really my advice. There is quite a bit of grass around this plant, so maybe just clear that away if you can. And then next spring, use a high potassium feed like a rose feed. And that, unless we get late frost again, that hydrangea will flower for you. Now, we have a text in to say, made a new plot this year and everything grew, even giant red cabbage. But I found a lot of cabbage root fly and I was wondering, will I mix lime in with the soil to fix that? Yeah, it's no harm to use lime. It would be quite good. Or you can get an organic treatment for root fly, cabbage root fly and carrot root fly. Um, So if you, in your local garden centre, if you ask them for um, the the organic root fly treatment, it's one that you, you mix with water, you apply it onto the roots of the plant as they're growing and that prevents the root fly damage. damage. So yeah, there's been quite a, a bit of leather jacket, root fly, carrot root fly. Again, when you get moist weather like we're having, you'll see a lot of that ground um, uh, activity, activity, insect activity. Yeah. Okay. Now, cause, should I cut back the butterfly bush or leave it be? Yeah, it no, has no. grown a lot this year. Since yeah, that's, so that's the buddleia, buddleias, and, and they flower beautifully. And yes, they put, put on a lot of vegetative growth. Prune them. The flowers are kind of going over now, so you can actually prune them roughly about halfway back now. And then in January, early February, you can prune them even further. And there's a plant that, as it comes into growth in late March, April, definitely benefits from that Chelsea chop of just a light trimming back even though there's kind of a foot or 15 inches of growth on it give it a light trimming back in uh, April early May and that makes the plant keeps it shorter and increases the amount of flower on the plant and there's a plant that propagates really easy from cuttings at this time of year is buddleia okay now great for the bees great, great for, for the, the butterflies yeah. you know really super easy plant to a grow g- a good biodiversity it one. is actually yeah 
Now, uh, Catherine's in Castle Bar and she's talking again about the feeding of the birds yeah. and always had a great variety of small birds in the back garden. Um, but the past two years, the starlings take over and the pigeons and tried all kinds of things to cover the bird feeder, but they still get to it. And uh, wondering, might anyone have come up with an alternative remedy to prevent the starlings and the pigeons being yeah. the dominant well, what, what force? Do, um, what Catherine could actually use, the, the fat balls work really well or, or the you can get the a coconut shell as well with, with fat in them and, and pigeons and starlings tend not to, to or dislike that. The other thing you can actually get is uh, what they call a, an anti-squirrel feeder. So it keeps the squirrels out but it actually works for the big birds as well. Okay. So it, basically it's a, where you've got the, the feeding unit, it's a cage that, that, that's fitted outside of that so the small birds can get in and the big birds can't. Okay. Excellent. Okay, so, so hopefully, yeah. Catherine, that might uh, help solve that problem. I have noticed the starlings very active in my own back garden as well. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, we have B in Sligo uh, wondering, can we cut back blackcurrant and gooseberry bushes now? Yeah. One of the gooseberry bushes was, it says COVID, COVID. but covered yeah. in mid this summer. <laughs> well done. I think that's predictive text and yeah. uh, the times we're living in, uh, B in Sligo. But anyway, blackcurrant and gooseberry Yeah, bark. good time to prune them back. I mean, the fruit, you've taken the fruit off them now. I know normally cut the blackcurrants and gooseberries back when I pick the fruit. So once you pick the fruit, the stems that you take the fruit off, prune them back quite hard, you know, right back, blackcurrants nearly to soil level. So leave the young developing shoots to grow on. They'll have the fruit next summer. But those that carry the fruit this year, they're pruned back. And generally, you'll know the, the stems tend to be thicker. They tend to be darker in colour, more dark brown or blackish in colour. Um, so the older stems are pruned back. Now, the young developing stems are allowed to grow up. Uh, on so certainly the pruning of gooseberries blackcurrants even apple trees you can give them a pruning at this time of year it's uh, it's not too early to do them okay. and a good idea is once they go out a leaf is to actually treat your fruit trees to a dressing of winter wash so again it's a natural treatment you mix it in water you apply it to the stems and that helps to prevent pests next season kind of cleanses the, the uh, stems now we've been given a plant and we've photographed in a plant as a cutting yeah. have it inside don't know the name of it it's uh, coleus it's a plant called coleus yeah. so it's an indoor plant lovely foliage plant really yeah, really easy pretty. to grow simple one to propagate it's, it's the type of plant that doesn't live forever Deirdre so you, if you have it kind of for three or four years it tends to get a bit woody and, and dies away so right. it is a plant that should be propagated every couple of years just have some young plants coming on it's got beautiful foliage colour, super easy plant to grow. It actually flowers as well. It produces a, a blue flower as Ooh. it matures. Yeah, so it's, and a so it's lovely red and green lovely. foliage and, and blue flowers. Yeah, and it comes in different colours as well. This one has gone a little bit leggy, mm -hmm. so my advice would be to trim it back. Those trimmings put into some compost and perlite and, and they'll make cuttings for you at this time of year and that will also encourage lots of young growth uh, and that coleus will actually continue to grow right through the winter but it is an indoor plant keep it inside it seems to be on a windowsill here which is absolutely perfect so the listener is doing everything right light trimming back and use the the, the uh, little stems as cuttings and get yourself some new plants and maybe give them to neighbours and friends and yeah they're very yeah. pretty yeah. we're going to end on plant. this one I think Pork. Um, do I feed and trim back clematis now or or when? Well, don't feed them because they're they're going out of flower and, and uh, or they will in the next uh, couple of weeks. So f no need to feed them yet. And uh, normally the pruning of uh, clematis, it depends on the variety. So if it's flowering at the moment and it's one of the summer flowering varieties, they're generally pruned once they go out of flower and once the leaves kind of fall away in November or December sort of period. So leave them at the moment. Just keep them tight.
tidy, deadhead the old flowers um, and prune them later on in the season. If it's a spring flowering clematis mm-hmm. like uh, Montana Rubens, then don't touch that, leave it alone and then prune it after flowering in, in early summer. So it depends on, on the variety of clematis. Okay, great. We're going to have to so leave it there. You, so there you go. So look at the the schools project. We, we're actually going to just send to send that um, information out to the schools next week. And um, look, it's great gardening weather. Really good planting weather at the moment. Okay, so, so lots, lots to be to done. Do, yeah, lots to do in the garden. And lots more to cover next week on the yeah, programme. So until then, we will bid you a good morning for now. Uh, do stand by. Michael Leary is coming your way next here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning after the news at 10. For me, for the moment, a very good morning to you. Back in action next Saturday after 7. Until then, bye for now.